On today's episode of the podcast, we have a segment of Ask Rachel, and I answer three pretty badass questions. First, we talk about friendship, how to nourish and sustain real true friendship, and what to do when you feel things are a little bit off in a relationship. Then we talk about anxiety. I talk about some long-term strategies to employ if you are in an overwhelming phase in life and you want to ground yourself a little bit more. And then finally, I talk about something I'm really passionate about, which is our inner intuition as mothers and as women, how to assert ourselves and set boundaries when other people don't agree with how we mother and how life saving and life changing it actually is to let our inner mama wolf lead the way to protect our little ones. I think this is a really good episode. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's dive in. All right, my village. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. Time for a brand new episode here of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. I uh, have to start off with a little disclaimer right now. So I'm still in Spain and I'm in this uh, apartment here in the south of Spain and there's construction happening two floors above us. It's quiet right now and I hope the podcast gods are with us for this hour. But in case you hear any noise or anything in the background, that's what's going on. I've been uh, just a little bit nervous about it because, you know, I love (laughs) to have a calm, quiet space to record this podcast. I feel like we do really well with our production and the sound of this show, and I want to keep that quality really high. There's just no place else for me to go and record. So worst case, you might hear a little bit of drilling in the background, but let's hope that doesn't happen. So um, yeah, I am still here in Spain. We're going to be, it's going to be almost two weeks soon. We've been here for 10 days, having a really beautiful time. I was contemplating yesterday just how this trip somehow has signified a little bit of a of a shift in seasons or a shift in chapters for me in this postpartum time that I've been in for the past eight months. Bear is eight months old in just two days or a couple days. And it's not until this trip that I've actually started to fully arrive at a place that feels like ease. We all know that postpartum time can be really challenging. It's also so beautiful and fun and exciting. And I feel like we've had just a few months that were just really, really hard. And then we had some easy times. And then we had a really hard time again with just no sleep. And I don't know, I've felt... I felt like I've been in this little postpartum bubble for so long. And then yesterday I was sitting on the balcony with Bear, just watching the sunset. And Dennis and Leah are here now. And my best friend, Bear's godmother, is with us. And I just realized, like, everything all of a sudden is really easy. And I don't want to take that for granted because that's what happens, right? Things are hard. And then we kind of get swallowed up and fully immersed in that hard thing, like not sleeping. When you're not sleeping, you can't think of anything else. And then all of a sudden things are better and we just take that for granted and we, you know, skip along and just life continues. And I really gave myself some space yesterday to fully hold the beauty and the awesomeness of the fact that all of a sudden things are easy. I know they're not going to be forever. That's the thing about babies and kids and motherhood and all the things is that everything changes all the time. And I am so not taking this easy time for granted. I'm really appreciating it. I am so grateful. And it almost feels like before this trip, I was in another place somehow, just energetically. And I felt... I don't know, I felt like everything that had to do with leaving the house felt really daunting. Even just like heading into town to go for lunch or something was like a big, big deal for me. 
Um, just, you know, packing a diaper bag, making sure we have all of our things, getting in the car. He hates the car. He's going to cry, feel stressful to be out of the house. So many things just always felt like out of my control. I was just really comfortable and set in my ways being in our little, little bubble at home. And now we're in Spain and we're just, all routine is out the window. (laughs) I have no idea what's going on with his naps. I don't really care about what's in the diaper bag every day. We just, every morning, we just eat breakfast and head out the door and let kind of the day happen. And I just feel so much more relaxed. I really do. I think I have just softened a little bit during this trip. And I don't know if I softened first and then he started sleeping better or if he started sleeping better and then I was able to soften. I don't know what came first, but there is a definite shift that has happened this trip. And I feel like when I look back at Bear's first year, I'm going to look at this trip as that signifying moment where we had a shift, where we're out of that newborn time, we're out of that immediate postpartum time. And now we're just kind of flowing with life. You know, he's so big. He's so fun. He's so happy. Everything is just, as long as he has something to eat at all times, like I've just realized he's a food bear, this little bear, as long as he gets to tag along for everything, you know, he's just content like all day. And it does feel like it was a hot minute ago that I was sitting on that Pilates ball in the living room with him strapped to my chest, crying. I mean, him crying and me crying because he wouldn't sleep any other way. And he was just crying so much throughout the day. And yeah, it was only like two weeks ago that I wasn't sleeping at all, like at all, up all night, up every hour of every night. You know, it was, yeah, (laughs) it's been, it's been, um, It's been a big shift in these past two weeks. And I feel also very humbled by the fact that, yeah, we could be back there any moment. I know that, you know, he could just decide to stop sleeping and then I'll just roll with that again. But for right now in this moment, everything is easy and graceful. And I just feel so happy about that. Today, we are doing a little segment of Ask Rachel I love talking to you. I really feel like Ask Rachel could be its own podcast where I just answer your questions and we just have these conversations about things high and low. I just I just love it so much. So I'm just going to take some questions. We got a few a few questions in yesterday or a lot of questions in yesterday. And as usual, I'm just going to take a breath and play the first one and we see where this podcast takes us. Let's go. Hi, Rachel. My name's Laura. I'm calling from Boston. Um, I've been following you for a long time, and I just have a question for you about friendships. I'm 28, um, and I have some really good friendships. I have one in particular, but some just in general that aren't where I thought they were, or, you know, I'm disappointed in the other end. And I'm kind of being stubborn and I don't want to reach out because usually it's always me. Um, and something that's been important to me is just to ground myself and nourish myself, but also my friendships because that's important for community. And I just want advice on how to proceed and how to differentiate between ones that are worth nourishing and ones that aren't. Thank you so much. Oh, hi, Laura. I uh, I love that our first question today is about friendship because, of course, as always, this is something that I have been contemplating so much this week. Really, it's been probably the center theme of my thoughts and also our conversations here. And um, yeah, obviously, I'm I'm traveling with my best friend right now. She's Bear's godmother. Um, Bear has two godmothers. I have two best friends. Olivia and Michaela. And sometimes I feel like that's kind of it for my immediate circle of friends. I have more friends. I have many friends. But when it comes to those kind of, you know, ride or die, talk on the phone all day or send messages all day, that feeling of just immediate all day kind of presence, um, it's essentially them. Um, 
those them, those two beautiful women in my life. And then I have other friends who have been in that place with me or I've been with in that, you know, very intense immediate closeness, but we're not there anymore. And then I have a wider circle of friends where we're, you know, we, we stay in touch and when we see each other, it's amazing and super fun, but we don't talk that much, you know, or all the time. And for a while, I used to feel kind of like, like I had to have a really big, strong circle of, of friends that are all at that same immediate close level. And if I didn't, somehow it would mean that I wasn't as loved or I, like my life wasn't as complete or almost like it's like a signifier of somehow being good or, you know, being a good enough person is that you have tons of really good friends and this huge social network and you're spending time with people all the time. And what I realized just in the last few years is that, first of all, friendships are going to change. And just because they change doesn't mean that, doesn't at all have to mean that either person has done something wrong. Friendships, of course, they sometimes change because people can turn out to be assholes. <laughs> I've had that happen. Absolutely. Friendships sometimes change because people don't put as much effort in as the other person. And there is a, an off balance there. Um, friendships change because things happen. But all, most often what I think happens is that we start to shift between the ups and downs in our lives between the cycles of our lives and we do it at different paces we have something come up like a really easy example of this is it actually hasn't happened in this instance for me one of my best friends um who I'm here with now she doesn't have kids but I've really seen it so often I think it's really common that if you have a friend you can be so absolutely close and then one of you enters motherhood or one of you enters marriage or one of you enters it can be on either side enters like a career phase or where just one end of that relationship goes into a totally different gear where the other person maybe isn't in that same place and doesn't resonate or doesn't align with what is happening in that person's life or you know they end up going the opposite direction and that's can just happen sometimes without it being anybody's fault or without it even being a signifier that something's wrong you know, and I used to think that, oh, if I have a person here and they're not, we're not talking as much. It just means that maybe they don't like me as much anymore, right? They have better friends where they're closer with them or, and I think we just have a lot of stuff in the back of our head, big stories around worthiness and self-worth that's very intertwined in friendships and in our ability to be in community, particularly, I think, in female friendships. And I think so much of this stems from our school days and those insecure years that we spent oh, even just thinking about, thinking back at the school years and the girl groups and all the really difficult dynamics that unfold in those years um, makes, me, oh, makes me squirm a little bit. And I think so many of us, we have a lot of wounding from broken relationships and maybe gossip and maybe some toxic dynamics and maybe even bullying and teasing and feeling like we don't fit in like that whole thing that we go through as kids and as young teens and into our teenage years I think it's really hard to shift away from and we have to do some active healing work to actually to actually feel calm around that and if we haven't, chances are that we're going to turn into these adults where every time something changes or every time we feel insecure in a relationship, we all of a sudden think that we don't fit in anymore. We all of a sudden feel like we're in that place, you know, in school where like, oh, there's that cool girl gang and we're on the outside. Where just, it's not, I just generally don't think that that's the case. I think many of us could do better with better communication in our friendships I don't think people spend enough time actually looking at our friendships as closely and with the same care and effort as we do our romantic partnerships. You know, the same way if something isn't feeling right with a partner, with a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, spouse, par you know, partner in that sense, we're going to focus a lot of energy, I think, many of us, to fix that, you know, to get to the bottom of it, to get to a place of healing, to grow together. 
And I think when it comes to friendships, people are in general a little bit more casual. Well, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Or, you know, I can find another friend or, or we have that buildup of, well, if they're not reaching out to me anymore, then I'm not going to reach out to them. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, we don't even have a relationship anymore. And how did that happen? And, you know, whereas I think we should take our relationships in all areas of life as seriously as we do those romantic relationships that we spend so much time on. And if you have that person in your life and you feel like things are just not feeling good at this moment, it's so worth a conversation. It's so worth a a full, honest moment of saying, hey, I, I love you. I cherish our friendship so much. You have been such an important person in my life for so long. Right now, I am feeling like I'm, re- I'm the one who's always reaching out. And it, it makes me feel insecure. Can we have a conversation? Can we talk about where we are at? I so just value your presence. And I just want to know that we're in a good place. It means so much to me. And you don't know what's going to come out on the other end of that. Is it a person who doesn't give a shit and they're not putting in any effort and you just feel done with it? I mean, could be. People people act like that sometimes. Or is it that they are going through something where they just don't know how to communicate, where they are closing themselves off for whatever reason? Or did something happen where they feel insecure? You know, maybe they're sitting in that same place feeling like, hmm, like maybe something happened the last time you hung out or they're sensing a weirdness in the relationship that keeps them from reaching out because I think that's common too. You know, we can sense in those relationships that something is is off or something is up when it's up. And then if we don't have that talk, it's going to be that big elephant in the room and and people just sometimes drift apart where what we actually needed was that big clearing or just a moment to really come together, Right. So I think if we have a relationship and we feel like losing that person in our lives would really make us sad, like they actually, they mean something, you know, they're they're, they're an important person in our lives. I would give it my all. Like I would be just go to that place of radical honesty and ask. And you can do that so clearly without having to be a person that, you know, because we don't want to feel like we're whiny or nagging someone for their presence, you know, just in a really mature, clear way. Hey, like, is there something you want to tell me? Is everything okay? And I find that communicating that, like I'm in a place in my life right now where I just need clarity in all of my relationships. And right now I feel things are fuzzy here. I feel a little bit unsure and I would love to just feel clear. Could we meet? Like, let's have a talk. And chances are there's something there, right? And then we can come to that place of honesty and then come to that place of connection, And it could be like, hey, I love you so much. I'm just in a place in my life right now where I have a hard time making things work. I'm overwhelmed in this area. You know, that's something that I've been, I've had to communicate to people in my life postpartum when I haven't had the same amount of capacity of really being present in other ways. Like, hey, I'm in this cave now. (laughs) Like I'm in the postpartum cave. I love you. I want to be here for you. But, and this is, this is how I can be present for you. I can't be the one to drop everything and like drive over there and show up in that way that I normally would. Like here is how I can actually show up. And I think just communicating that as our ability to support each other in different ways change is a really amazing skill to have in friendship to not be so nervous around sharing what actually works for us. Because I, fe- I think that that clear communication is, is just life-changing, friendship-changing, relationship-changing for sure. And it's one of the things that, really one of the things that I appreciate the absolute most with Michaela, my, my best friend who I'm traveling with here now, is that she's so good at that clear and honest communication. There's never that, there's never that gray area feeling. I never feel insecure about our relationship because I know she's going to communicate her needs with me. And that makes me feel safe that I can communicate my needs with her, you know? And I think we just, we're not really taught how to communicate in relationship and in friendship very well. I look back at my, you know, teenage years and how much I struggled with friendship then 
how often I just closed off or left a friendship because I was scared that they were, they were going to leave me first. I really did have that big sister wound. Um, not big sister, but the big sister, like sisterhood kind of friendship wound there that I think a lot of us have, where I just felt really insecure and unsure in my female relationships. I always felt more comfortable in, with, in my friendships with men because I felt like they're going to give it to me straight. And I had so many of those moments when I was when I was a kid or when I was a teenager where a female friend didn't give it to me straight and where I wasn't being clear and honest either. Like that was just the kind of the dynamic. And we don't have to do that anymore. Like we really don't. And for all of us who are raising girls and raising raising young women, we can we can raise our kids differently. You know, we can teach our kids how to communicate how to be honest about what we feel, you know, how to look at each other and speak with each other from that place of kindness. I really think we can do better. And it's something that I already talk with to Leia with all the time, all the time. And I have to actually be really mindful to not project my own friendship wounds on her. Like I'm so scared that she's going to be left out, that people are going to look at her like she's weird, that she's going to be bullied even though there's no indication that that's happening at all. But I am so scared that that's going to happen to her. And I have to constantly kind of swallow my my own inner need to fit in, um, to not try to make her become that. You know, to let her dress exactly the way she wants to dress, even if, yeah, it's kind of weird sometimes. <laughs> and to trust that by letting her be her own unique, weird self, she's going to attract people who are their own unique weird selves and together they're going to be awesome right it's like when we are not certain in our own skin when we feel like we have to conform we have to change who we are to be loved to fit in then we start to attract those kinds of people who are in that place and yeah then we're going to have a really really hard time in those girl groups where everyone is insecure and there's always someone left out and I know just the more I allow her to be herself and to shine in that, the easier it's going to be for her to attract really badass, awesome girlfriends who are going to be on that same wavelength, you know, who would never bully and who would never look at someone like they're lesser than because they're different. And I, I really, really hope that that it, it's easier for her generation, but let's see. I don't know if this answers your question, but I really think friendships are so sacred if something feels off, it's because something is off and it definitely warrants a real sit down, you know, a big, a big coming together, a healing of some kind, a communication of some kind. And sometimes we arrive at that place of like, Hey, like I don't matter as much to this person as they do to me. That's so sad. And then there's a grief in that of like, okay, well, we've, we've grown apart or they've grown away from me. And sometimes that happens. And then giving ourselves that space to process and grieve that relationship and not just shrug our shoulders and go, well, you know, it was just, it was just a friend anyway. Like friends matter. They do. And having real good trusted friendships is, is life-changing. And I think that's why my circle is really small now, because I feel like I, I would rather have fewer friends that are that close where I feel so safe, where I feel so seen, where I know I can totally be myself, where I know that they're going to show up for me when I need them and I will show up for them when they need me. I would rather have that small trusted circle than that vast group of people where I'm just kind of like a butterfly on the surface fluttering around, connecting with people, but not really being present with them in that way that I, that I want to or that a true friendship actually needs. And I also think, you know, it's a really vulnerable thing to put ourselves out there that way, but making new friends as adults, I think we need to normalize that a little bit more, make it easier. You know, I, I have said that on this podcast so many times, like I would love more mom friends. I would love more friends this age. I would love to meet new people and make those new connections. And I find it really hard. Probably it's probably hard because I never leave my farm. <laughs> I'm not really making it easy for myself, you know, but it is a vulnerable thing to, to really own that and say, Hey, I want meaningful friendship. 
I want to meet new, I want to invite new amazing people into my life. How can I go about that? And putting that out into the universe and speaking our longing out loud and then actually putting ourselves out there and do our best to meet new people and go to those mom groups or go to that pottery class or that dance class or chat someone up the next time you're at the grocery store and just really making those connections that we are so good at making when we're kids. Oh my God. Like I watch Leia do that all day long. She sees a kid. She will cross whatever road, run across the park, go across the grocery store and go, Hey, I'm Leia. Do you want to play? (laughs) And just puts herself out there all the time. And sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's like a kid will give her a weird stare. Like you're weird. Like, why would you ask me that? We don't know each other. Often the other kid is like, yeah, hi. Okay. Let's play. You know? And I think all of us grownups, we have those inner children still inside us, still so wanting to play, you know, and yeah, we're scared. And those inner children, like they were wounded when we were, when we were small, when we were young. And I think the answer to those wounds or the path to healing is to return to that place of play and to let our inner child take the lead again and to, to be vulnerable and find new people to have fun with in that way that we just so long for. Yeah. Hmm. Friendship is so important. I think the fact that you called and asked this question means that you are just in that place of needing clarity. And it could be once we are out of that stuck place with those relationships that aren't working as well, we can actively start to invite new friendship into our lives if that's what we want or actively deepen friendships that we already have. Because chances are, if you're searching for that sisterhood or that, you know, deep, 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 intimate friendship, there's a chance that you have those, those people already in your life and you're just kind of keeping them at bay a little bit or you're just acquaintances right now, but you actually could become best friends. And um, speaking as a person who I absolutely have been on the other end of being bad at reaching out to my people when I have been stressed or feeling overwhelmed or when I was burnt out, where I just felt, I've had times in my life where I've felt like even opening any of my chat apps, like WhatsApp, opening that app gave me a huge amount of stress, even though the, the people present there were mostly friends where I felt like I, it was like a chore to keep up with people. I felt stressed about that. And I wish I was able at the time to communicate better in terms of like, hey, I need, I need to take a little break from everything right now. I love you. I'm here, but I can't be here in that way. And at times I've been really bad at that. I'm much better at it now. And those relationships I've been able to come back to and heal um, just from repairing later on. And I think we can, we can do better, you know? So if you're that person and you know you're the one who doesn't reach out as much, if that person is important to you, prioritize them. The same way you prioritize your kids, your work, whatever else you have going on, or at the very least, communicate clearly what you have happening in your life so that those expectations can be met, right? So that you're both clear on where you are. Because there's nothing worse than being in that place of feeling totally confused or walked on in a relationship. So I hope you find some clarity. I hope you get to that place of just knowing where you stand. And I wish you beautiful, flourishing friendships in the future. Let's go to our next question. Hey, Rachel. My name is Adriana. I just wanted to say that I am incredibly grateful for listening to your podcast, um, just witnessing you living your life on Instagram and everything that you do. Um, I don't know how to explain this without sounding like a crazy person, but the last year has been a harrowing year for me. A lot of death, a lot of birth, a lot of hardship. Um, and listening to your podcast is like consoling with a good friend. It always leaves me feeling heard and seen and validated because a lot of the experiences that you feel or walk through or talk about really are things that I relate to so deeply. So thank you. Um, I am basically calling to say two things. One, 
if you are to hold a retreat this year, I really hope that you think that maybe we can just tea and just sit because literally that would be like I think I speak for more than myself when I say that you don't have to like create this crazy thing you know it can just be like a hangout session that like that would be a retreat period second is I have been dealing with a lot of anxiety this year has been so hard um and it's created like this big trauma response and stress in my life and Anxiety is ever present. How do you cope? What are your best What are your best words of wisdom? Um, how do you manage it? Um, yeah, coming from somebody that really loves you from afar, from Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you. Bye. Hello, Adriana. I love you already. Hi. <laughs> I was just laughing and smiling listening to this message. Okay, so first of all, I just thank you for saying that. Thank you about the retreat. Yes, I am planning a retreat. And the moment I started planning it, I started feeling really overwhelmed. <laughs> I so want to plan a retreat. I want to do a retreat in Sweden because I was talking to, to my friend about this yesterday. I just feel like it would be so precious to introduce Sweden to my international people. But then I was like, it's so far away for people, especially people from the US. It's like a big trek and a big trip. And what if the weather isn't good? And what would we even do? And it's like, oh, you know, where would we go? I, I really think it would be so beautiful to show my roots and my everything that is so beautiful about my home country to people who would otherwise never travel there. Like I, I would love that. But then immediately I went into my like performer brain of, oh my God, okay, well, so how many people are we going to like put together? Where are we going to go? What if it's, what if it's not going to be good enough? What can I offer? How many classes a day? Like, what are we going to do? What do I fill this time with? I went into this, like, I have to create the best, most healing, transformational, life-changing retreat of all time. And then I started feeling a lot of pressure. <laughs> this all happened inside of my own brain, right? And then I started thinking back to all of our other retreats that we've done that have been so amazing. And I don't have the same staff, the same team anymore. I don't have island yoga to teach from anymore. I don't have all of these known factors that we've always had of just basically a container holding me so that I can hold the container of the group. Because the work we do in our retreats is really life-changing and is really healing. It is really beautiful. And and yeah, I just went, I just got all tense about it. And then, you know, like, how can I provide this unbelievable thing? And then I felt pressure. And just hearing you say, hey, can we just like do a retreat and hang out? <laughs> Validated so much of the reason I want to do a retreat in the first place, which is essentially that. Like, I want us to sit in circle and talk and share. And yes, I want us to like go mushroom picking or do some amazing herbal work in the, in like a little witchy kitchen somewhere and do yoga and meditate and dance. Like I want to do all those things, but I also just like want to hang out. Like I just also want us to just connect and be in that relaxed place. And um, you saying that now just made my shoulders drop of like, hey, I don't have to, I don't have to put together the world's most life-changing retreat. I just have to like hold the space and everything is going to unfold perfectly. And it can be something way more relaxed. It doesn't have to be this big, grand, insane thing. So yeah, I am planning one. I don't know if it's maybe this fall or maybe end of summer is like a good time. I'm trying to, to find the best time. What I'm struggling with a little bit is just the space and like how, like in Aruba, we did 52 people in every retreat because that's what we could fit at Island Yoga. And I'm having a hard time just finding a place in Sweden that I feel is like good enough and beautiful enough for a group um, that can, you know, that has a big enough yoga space and, and all those things. But I'm working on it. I really, really, really am. I also want it to be affordable. And that's also really hard in Sweden if you want it to be nice. So yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to make this happen. Don't, don't you worry. And I can't wait to just like drink tea with you. Hang out. <laughs> we, we are going to do that. Going to your question, just hearing you talk about anxiety. I, I can tell you've had a big year. 
Um, also, the past year for me was also a big year of birth, literal birth and death. And it's the second time in my life that I've had a year like that. Like I had in 2014, I had a year where my best friend died and then Dennis and I got married and then my grandmother died and then our dog, who was essentially our baby, died. And then my mom tried to commit suicide. And in between all of those things, we had amazing travel and just peak moments in life happen. It was like from the highest high to the deepest low for 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 so long. And I've I've had that feeling. It hasn't been as intense, but yeah, this year, you know, Dennis's sister got cancer and then passed away. It happened so quickly. And you know, being pregnant and then we lost both of our dogs and and then Finn being born and just yeah, my best friend lost her dad. It's just been a lot. Um, so I know that feeling of just coming out of or being in the middle of a year where there is magic and beauty and gratitude and also just despair and grief and what the fuck, you know, all wrapped up into one. And I think what it, what happens when we have a big year like that, because it's not just a terrible year, like you sound like you've also had some some good things is that our brain goes, well, it's not all bad, right? Because we've had so many things to be grateful for and so much awesomeness. And it's almost like we trick ourselves into feeling like we can't fully grieve because we also have to hold space for the good. And we don't want to miss out on the joy. So we kind of try to sweep maybe a little bit more of the grief under the rug than we would if it was only bad, which is essentially a a survival thing that we do. We can't feel everything all at once or it would be too overwhelming and we wouldn't be able to cope. So it's, it makes sense to, to try to process things just through titration, like a little drop at a time. But that overwhelm that comes with a big year, because big joy is also, can be a lot for our nervous system. Like big highs can just... <laughs> if it's too much in the end, we're going to feel dysregulated. And I think it's easy to arrive at a place where our nervous system just isn't where we want it to be, where we're just a little bit dysregulated all the time, or where we are very easily, we kind of lose our ground. So we feel fine. We're here. We're like, okay, we're, you know, drinking our tea and doing our yoga and going to therapy. And like, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm my feet are on the ground. And then smaller things happen that we feel like we should be able to easily cope with because we're grown-ups and we have resources and what do you mean and I've been through other worse things and but then you know because we're a little bit dysregulated all the time we can kind of slip off of that really easily so we have a bad day and then we spin off into deep anxiety or someone gives us a bad comment and it's like the end of the world or um, we feel a little bit stressed and all of a sudden we just lose it it's like yeah I, 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 I really know what you're talking about. And what I've realized is when we are in those moments, when we are in those seasons or, or a year like that, we need to spend a lot more time than maybe we think is fun or than maybe is convenient regulating ourselves. We need to spend a lot more time taking really good, gentle care of our nervous systems. And that includes taking really good care of our bodies it includes being really meticulous about our self-care. And sometimes that shit is just boring. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I can f I feel like that sometimes. Like taking all of my supplements every day, making sure that I'm eating well, going to bed at a normal time, you know, if I have the ability to do that. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's a drag. Like it can really feel like a drag sometimes. Sometimes I just want to kick my shoes off and not think so much about my well-being all the time. And then, hey, I just want to sit on the couch and like binge watch Netflix. Like leave me alone. You know, let me do that. <laughs> and I find that when I start to get a little bit more reckless about my self-care, when I just, yeah, I kick my shoes off a little too fast kind of, then all of a sudden you know, things align in a way where I end up feeling a lot more anxiety and then I can't sleep at all. And then I, yeah, I, I, I dip into these holes that are just much harder to get out of. So what I try to do 
even though sometimes it is, and sometimes, you know, when we're feeling dysregulated, when our nervous system is frazzled, we are going to seek out things that meet us in that energy. And this is really important to understand. So when we are feeling that way, we are going to be drawn to drama. We're going to be drawn to staying up all night, binge watching true crime, (laughs) gory shit, things that are not good for a nervous system that's already frazzled. We're going to be attracted to that because that's the energy we're at. We might find ourselves engaging more with people who are at that same level of dysregulation, who are really stressed, who, who do things really fast, who are really, you know, who are in that same place. And we might be more attracted to food that keeps us in that high as well. All that We might want more sugar. We might want more, we might want more alcohol. We might want, you know, to do things that either keep us at a high or that numb the low. And when we are in that place, doing those things that actually are regulating, that actually are settling and calm can feel like a drag, can feel really boring, can feel like we don't need it. It's not fun. It's, it doesn't even help, but it does, but it does. Um, so for me, like making myself really wind down before I go to bed, I think it's the most boring thing ever. I really do. I would much rather sit in like a really intense conversation over a bottle of wine, being really excited (laughs) or watching that crazy true crime show that even though it gives me nightmares or staying on my phone, of course, that's something that keeps us in that dysregulated place, like blue light in my face the last hours of the day doom scrolling on Instagram, like I'm drawn to those things when I'm not grounded. And understanding that has been really important, not just that doing those things make me ungrounded. That's also true. But when I'm not feeling grounded, I'm drawn to those things. And understanding that it works from both ends has been just really helpful (laughs) to to me to, to understand. And that it's in that moment that when I feel it's the most boring and the hardest to get to, that's when I need it the absolute most. That's when I need to turn my phone off at 5 p.m. and really put it away. That's when I need to not turn on the TV at all. That's when I need to, if I'm watching something on Netflix, because I want to do that with my husband, it's really important that we watch like The Office (laughs) or some silly little show that does not bring me into... (gasps) oh my God, holy shit, can't believe that happened. Or that puts me on the edge of my seat where I'm like gripping Dennis's arm because I'm like, what is going to happen? All of that makes the anxiety that comes later much worse. And it feels like it shouldn't impact it, but it does. And it's silly. It's like little stuff, but it's big stuff. It's the things, the little things we do all day or every day become, become our lives, right? So I just, I try to force myself to, to wind down much earlier before bed to eat more grounding foods, to stay away from those peaks of excitement, even good excitement. Because I know when I'm in that place, if I do those things, all of a sudden I'm lying there at night, I can't fall asleep, my brain starts spinning and I end up in that really, really, really anxious place. So I have to be a little more meticulous, not all the time, but in those times and do more of what actually helps me settle and ground. And also realizing that like supplementation, the herbs that I take to stay grounded, the herbs that help regulate, um, I need to take them every day. You know, herbal medicine works best that way when we actually commit to long term. It's not like, oh, I can't sleep tonight. I'm going to take some passion flower once and then that's going to solve everything and I'll just sleep. No, no. If I'm in that place where like I am totally frazzled because I haven't slept for months. And every time I put my head on the pillow and close my eyes, I get like a near panic attack. Like I've been so much in that place over the past few months. I need to be taking my passion flower if that's what works for me every day, literally every day. I need to take my ashwagandha every day. I need to take my reishi every day. I need to take my adaptogens every day. I need to find those things that actually soothe me and I need to commit to them like, like really commit and get really disciplined about them and understanding that just the herbs I take, the food I eat, how much water I drink, the things I do before I go to bed, all those things matter and they add up and they might not, you know, in the moment of a panic attack or in the moment of a big place of anxiety, they're not going to magically fix and solve everything. 
and I'm trying to really remind myself that I'm in the long-term game here. Those things that I do, like if I do a yoga nidra every evening or I take a bath every evening or whatever thing I do every day, like that's a long-term game that I'm doing. It's going to help me in the moment. It's going to ground me in the moment. It's going to feel good in the moment once I'm in it, but I'm actually supporting my future self by doing those things and by making sure I return to them every day. So figuring out what helps you ground and then getting really meticulous about it, even when it's dull, even when it's boring. And that could include figuring out the things that make you feel frazzled. Like, hey, should you be on Instagram before bed? Probably not. You know, even if you're watching cute videos of dogs, you risk coming across like there's war and there's genocide and oh, here's that coworker that's kind of bitchy. And, you know, there's just stuff comes up and it's like, we are not meant to take in this much information at all times. Like that alone, I think just frazzles us so much. So yeah, get in the long-term game of taking really good care of your nervous system and commit. That's my best advice. And then I think, you know, in the moments of it, when we are in that place of anxiety, Uh, For me personally, there's no single better thing to do than talk about it. I need to tell someone, hey, I'm really anxious. I feel so anxious now. And then sometimes I need that person on the other end to go, oh my God, tell me, do you want to share? And sometimes I need that person on the other end to go, oh, that's so hard. Like that must be so hard. It's so hard to feel anxious. Hey, come here. You know, we don't always need the other person to solve things for us or to fix the anxiety or to brainstorm our way through the anxiety. But sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes we just want to be seen in our anxiousness and that's it. And being seen in it makes us remember that we're not alone. And that for me anyway, is really, really, really helpful. So yeah, that's what I got. Thank you for asking this question. And, um, I can't wait to, to hang out. Hi, Rachel. Um, I'm a mom to a beautiful baby girl who's actually one week older than Finn. Uh, my husband and I raised her in a way that surprisingly ushers in a lot of comments and opinions from our wonderful in-laws, um, who I really love so much, specifically in the ways that we respond to her and feed her. Um, I find myself in a heightened defensive state. I'm like really wound tight going into spending time with them, um, assuming that I'm going to need to defend myself and advocate for our choices regarding our child. Um, I also feel like when I do advocate for something, it's often dismissed. Like, for example, when I was, when she's being passed around or held and I, by somebody else, and I'd like to take her back into my arms because she clearly wants that. Um, I often just find myself feeling powerless, misunderstood, anxious. Um, and I just want to know how you navigate being a mom in an environment that sometimes goes against what you feel is best for you and your family, like when your decisions, choices are um, questioned and disagreed with. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I look forward to, to learning about your, um, I don't know, how you, how you go about all of this. Thanks. Bye. Hey, hello. Hi. Oh, I hear you. I just, yeah, I want to start off just saying, I hear you. Like, I hear you. I see you. This is, um, this is a big, big, big thing. I think this might even be a bigger thing than you are allowing yourself to admit um, right now. It's a huge thing to be out of alignment with family, whether they're in-laws or our blood relatives, to be out of alignment when it comes to how we want to raise and, and be with our with our babies knowing there's friction there, knowing that there is something that just doesn't feel right. It's, it's huge. And, um, I imagine could be a source of, of conflict between you and your partner as well. Um, but what I, what I mean when I say, I think this is a bigger deal that you like to admit is that inside of you, there is a, there is a mama wolf and, uh, she knows, like she knows there is a, There is a mama wolf inside of you with her fangs out who just immediately upon laying eyes on a person knows, I don't want this person to hold my baby or this does not sit right with me. 
or this is conversation that I do not want to have happen when my baby's present, or this is not how, how I want things done. And this is how we do things like that. Mama wolf is just, I think like clawing at the door to be let out. And there is a, there is a chance that there's, that she's going to come out one day soon and she's going to come out with some ferocity and with, with some anger. So yeah, you need to let her come through. Like really, here's the thing. So if your, your antennas come out and you can just sense that something does not sit right with you, it is because something is not right. Okay. It's not that, um, you're, you're difficult, (laughs) or you have another view of things, or you have done different research, or you're high maintenance, or none of that. If something feels off, it's because something is off. 1000% every single time. And the thing about our motherly intuition is when we start to squash it, and we, we, we allow, you know, being polite to come first, you know, it's not, it's, it's not considered polite to say, Hey, I, I don't want anyone to hold my baby right now or to just grab your baby out of someone's arms or just, Hey, you know, we do a lot of things for the sake of being polite and respectful. I say respectful with air quotes here. We start to squash that intuition enough. We lose it all together. Right. And then with time, we just, we can't really feel our way forward anymore we just can kind of sense, well, this does not feel 100%, but I guess it's okay. It's just a person holding her or holding them. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I'm over here. You know, we start to kind of make excuses for why it's okay that we bypass our own want and our own need and our own intuition for the sake of, yeah, of, of not stirring drama or for the sake of being polite or for the sake of, yeah, just not making a fuss, right? And we are already so taught our whole lives as women to not make a fuss, to sit down and be quiet, to be polite, to, to be good, right? To do the right thing, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it is fucking dangerous to lose that motherly intuition. Like that mama wolf is there because she's she needs to protect her babies. And right now by, by going against your intuition, by allowing politeness or the sake of family relation, all those things are important. Like it is, of course, it's relationships, it's family. It's important. I, I understand that, but it's not as important as you being the mother that you need to be for your little ones. And every single time that we as moms act on that need of no, and then it's a no, we just feel it's a no. You don't have to explain oh no, I don't want this because you don't have to explain anything. If you feel it's a no, it's a no. If you feel that this path is a yes, it's a yes. And every time we act on that no, every time we act on that yes, every time we act on that immediate intuition that we have so highly tuned for a reason, it's like we're fine tuning that ability. And it might not matter all that much. We tell ourselves when it's just like family holding our baby or them wanting to dress them a certain way or food. You know, it's like little stuff that we say, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. But every time we do that, we lose the ability to actually know when it matters and it actually could be life or death. I mean, we don't even have to take it that far, but like it it kind of is, (laughs) you know, that feeling that tells you, hey, this person is not, it's not, it's not, it's not right for right now. And I'm not saying that we should walk around feeling terrified of all the dangers and dangerous people all around, but I'm saying it, those people exist and bad situations exist. And when we fine tune our ability to just know without knowing, when we fine tune that intuition, when we let that mama wolf act on what she needs to have happen, we're going to continue to have that finely tuned skill at all times. And it's going to serve us for the rest of our lives. That's how we as women know, oh, that's, that's, that's not a person that we're going to spend time with. Or, hey, we're not going to walk down that street. We're going to take a left over here. Or, hey, that plate of food that just arrived, I, I don't know, something doesn't feel right with that. I'm, we're not going to eat that right now. Or the million things that happen in a day where our intuition guides us more than logic. And that intuition is life-saving and it's there for a reason. So there's many reasons why you need to start acting on that no when it's a no. 
And yeah, it's to continue to, to, to fine tune that ability because you're going to need it for the rest of your life. And that's that intuition that's going to keep you and your family safe at all times. But it's also like you're walking all over yourself every time you do that. And you're kind of telling them and kind of telling the world that like, yeah, they, they could kind of mother your babies just as well as you could, right? Like they have good ideas and I guess it's fine. And I guess that's okay too. But it's like, no, you know, it's not fine. You know what your kids need. You know how you want to mother. You know how you want to raise your kids. And you need to stand up for that and stand up for yourself. And yeah, that could damage that relationship. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe this is bad advice. I don't know. To me, the alternative to that is so much worse, really. And it could be, you know, hopefully there is a, a gentler way maybe to communicate this and not just in the moment of this thing and that thing and this thing, but to actually have a sit down around this. These are your kids. This is your family. You are the best equipped person that exists on this earth to know what is right for your babies. And that is never going to change. And you're going to be doing things differently and it's kind of stressful and not not really that fun to have to have that conversation every time you spend time or to have to go against your own will every time. So here is how we do things and we're going to continue doing them this way. And I don't want that questioned. Because it could be that if they continue questioning, they continue pushing, they continue not respecting you or they continue crossing your boundaries that maybe you're not going to be spending time anymore. Maybe you can't come around as much. And that's real. Like that's a real fact, real truth. I have been through this, you know, I have family members who we have some simple, we have kind of simple boundaries around our house. And we have some boundaries around like what we share around our house, what we share when it comes to like the view from our house, just for safety, just basic stuff. Um, and I've had family members disrespect that and I like they're out the door, you know. We can't, sorry, like, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have to leave and, uh, you're not, you're not welcome back until you can respect this boundary because it is really important. And it's, this boundary is more important than me being good with you, right? Than our, our relationship being seamless and smooth. Like this boundary is more important because my family's safety is more important than this. And I've had to have those really hard conversations those things that kind of lead to friction and led to a fight and all those things and it's like yeah well then that's what it has to be so I think yeah I don't know which end is best to start if it's best to start with the next time you interact with those people or you're present with them or the next time anytime you know something comes up and you feel that inner no just start practicing acting on that immediately and not like, no, because just no, just acting on that. This does not feel right. This is not how we do things. This is not what I want for them. And just no. And the more you act on it, the easier it's going to be to act on it later. And with time, it's just going to be second nature. Like I have that all the time, you know, someone will reach out their arms to grab bear and it's like, no, no, we're not doing that right now. No, no, he's comfortable here. And I can be polite about it, how I say it. No, he's really comfy here. You know, it's just kind of hold him a little tighter. Or no, we just wave today. Hi. You know, and instead of if I don't want someone to touch him, it's like we wave. Hey, hey. And I try to be, you know, a little cute about it. Like you'll find ways to assert the boundary you have about other people touching your kid without having to be like an outright bitch. <laughs> like you'll find that way. But you have to practice your way there, right? So just now, like time is of the essence. Don't waste time pleasing those other people anymore. <laughs> I just, that's really, I very rarely give like this direct, harsh kind of advice, but I really feel like it's really important. And just let that inner knowing mama wolf come out as much as possible. Listen to that inner voice when it comes up because it's, it's crucial that, that, yeah, that that voice continues to be heard. And then maybe with time, by just asserting boundary in situation after situation, they will get the message to stop trying to mess with your boundaries. Um, maybe they won't, right? And maybe you'll actually have to have kind of like a vulnerable, like boundary setting sit down where, hey, this does not work for me. We're doing things this way. You can either respect it and be a part of our lives 
or not respect it, and then we're going to have to distance ourselves, you know. But hopefully, it wouldn't come to that. But anyway, that's what I would do if I were you. Thank you for asking this question. And I don't know, maybe there's lots of mama wolves out there listening just now who just went, wow, yeah. It's, it's important. And you know what I love? I love, really, truly love how every time I assert myself in that way and every time I really listen to that inner voice, immediately I am met with like a, a sense of satisfaction inside. I never doubt it. I've never gone, oh, I was too ferocious there or I shouldn't have set that boundary or I shouldn't have listened to, to that voice. It's like, no, every time I do, I know it was the right thing to do. And that goes with everything. It happens a thousand times a day. Like really, it's how I know just without knowing like, oh, Leia is like three meters too far away. Like, hey, let's not be outside that store. I don't know. I have no fucking idea if there's like a bad person in that store or <laughs> something bad could have happened there. Like, I don't know. It's just a feeling like, hey, come a little closer over here. And it's okay. Like, I truly think that we we have that knowing for a reason and it's how we keep our babies safe and how we'll continue to in every way for the rest of our lives. And we, we need to keep that intuition, intuition alive and thriving. So yeah, these were our questions for today. Our hour is up. I, uh, I again, like every single question that, that I took today is just like a real living, breathing part of my day-to-day -day life. I love how connected we are and so in the same wavelength and just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Next week, I'll be back in Sweden from the farm again. So I'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.